Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where I've decided that Gabriel and I were going to record our conversations and talk about those formative years that I think are relevant to pop culture because he was being homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world, so he missed them. And this is probably our longest intro ever because it's the last episode of 2001 and potentially uh, ending our first season. Music, 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 music. Here's a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. The year 2001, the episode three. The Polaroid Corporation filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. While visiting Syria, Pope John Paul II became the first pope to enter a mosque. Dell became the largest PC maker in the world. And minimum wage in the United States was $5.15. How far that's come. You know, uh, 515 So here, I imagine... Somebody could live a pretty, pretty well, pretty well, not well off, pretty well, making the equivalent of like 13 to 15 bucks an hour in the States. You would live well, as opposed to in the States. Well, you would live. You could actually afford to have a place to live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the States, right, depending on the, on the state you're in, you could, that could be enough to keep you from paycheck to paycheck. That could also keep you you know, with no car, no car insurance and stuff and things like that. I was talking to my yeah. friend, I was talking to my friend and, and he pays 500 of, uh, of insurance a month for health insurance. Ugh. Yeah. You know, and then you, you tack on, right. Your, your 60 to $80 for, for, uh, internet, 60 to $80 for your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your hundred to two hundred dollars for car insurance, and you're looking at an additional thousand dollars that you're paying. That here is twenty dollars for your phone, twenty dollars for your internet, and like thousand dollars a year for car insurance. You know, so you you break that down, and you're like, yeah, I guess thirty thirty three thousand. Those commercial rates they always advertise and say you could be paying. 20, 20 something dollars a month for your car. You guys are getting them. They're talking about them. Europe, actually. They're, they're, yeah, they're very true. That's very when you true. call and they say, have you thought about moving to Europe? That's the solution. And, you know, they always say the same thing. Ah, I got too many ties, got too many things. I, I can't just leave all this. But, well, yeah, go ahead and keep going. Maybe in 10 years, it'll get better for you. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you'll be a, maybe you'll be in that club with that in the super high ceiling. Yeah, yeah. You won't. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 2001 gave um how, hang on a second though how many how many uh how many billionaire astronauts do you guys have in europe right uh let me see so billionaires no i like space astronaut billionaires you know because the billionaire is a big range once you get you know a couple billion you're a billionaire i'm gonna say that we don't have billionaires and i'm mm-hmm. gonna see? say that we haven't made it past we have i don't think we've made it outside the the atmosphere so definitely it, not. If you don't have private citizens going to space, I mean, are you even a country? <laughs> Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. We don't. I don't think we even go like five hundred 
feet above ground. I don't. I don't. We don't even have skyscrapers. <laughs> we, we. We. I think it's As like a country. It sounds like y'all might be afraid of heights. I think. I think it's like eight to ten stories high. <laughs> That's like the living. <laughs> and that's like you said, the floor is so high. I think we go underground at a certain point. Yeah, yep. it's, it's the way. So 2001, Gabe. Um, we're not going to do a recap because we've talked about, you know, 9-11 uh, enough. And the fact that nothing else happened that year, let's be honest. With the exception of Lord of the Rings coming out, I think that's pretty much the highlights and lowlights of 2001. Yeah, that covers it. But speaking of uh, movies that came out in 2001, now, I've often said this, even though I then list a bunch of musicals that I like, I don't like musicals. But I will say West High Story is one of the greatest musicals in movies of all time. I mean, at a certain point, you're in denial, but but okay. Moulin Rouge comes out in, in, in um, 2001. Now, this is a Bass Lerman um, movie. We talked about him because of... Um, mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet of uh, The Great Gatsby and the the Elvis movie that just came out, excuse me. Again, not a fan of musicals, but this was really well made. Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, John Leguizamo. It, it was a decent film, <laughs> but I don't like musicals. That is one that I have not seen. Ah, interesting. Now, I will say this much, too. There was a fantastic song in the soundtrack for this movie that had like Pink, Missy Elliott, um, Christina Aguilera. It was a really, really great song for this movie. But no, no, yeah, just, uh, and again, not a movie you probably wanted to watch either, right? No, um, I, I, I didn't feel the lack uh, at the time, that's for sure. Uh, I was aware of it. But I, I want to say, like, the vast majority of, of uh, women I've known have, have spoken very fondly of it. Yeah, it's it's a very so, it's a very good looking film. Yeah, and again, like you know, John Leguizamo in, a, in the movies is already gonna you know be elevated. Yep, fifty three million dollar budget went on to make one hundred and seventy nine million. Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, as always, I will always mention a, a Kevin Smith film, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out in uh, two thousand and one, written and directed by Kevin Smith, part of the Viewers Universe. And obviously, every cameo under the sun, you know, from your Jason Lee's to your Ben Affleck's to your Shannon Doherty and God knows how many else. Uh, you know, $20 million production, $33 million uh, gross, a typical Kevin Smith film. I just, uh, you know, just just love Kevin Smith films. I, that dude yeah. can do no wrong with me. Like, he, he delivers exactly what you expect. It's almost like a Wes Anderson. He's not going to let you down. If you know what you're, what you're expecting, you're in. He can take my money before he even makes a movie. <laughs> he can. That's good. There's good that there's some uh, constants like that in the industry. Thank you. That is. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a list of at least 10 people who will take my money before they even make the movie. And he's definitely like eight or seven. He deserves it. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's another movie that up until doing the research, I thought had done well. Ooh. Have you heard of the movie 3,000 Miles to Graceland? Definitely heard the name. Okay. This movie starred Kurt Russell, Kevin Costner, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Bokeem Woodbine, and Christian Slater. And it's basically a gang of ex-cons 
robs a casino during an Elvis convention week, and they're all dressed like Elvis. Interesting. Exactly. So he met, Kurt Russell, by the way, looks like an Elvis impersonator, spot on. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's basically the, the the movie, the premise of the film, and um, it's. I always thought it was a really good film. I always thought it was a fun movie. I I've enjoyed it. I've watched it probably half a dozen times. Doing the research, it was a sixty-two million dollar budget, and it only made eighteen million. Ooh. Yeah. Pretty bad. Very bad. I think I think the Elvis convention robbed him back. I think so too. I think it was a reverse Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, they got Ocean Elvis. Uh, we can work it. We can we can workshop that. We can do that in post. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put something uh, exciting in there. Yeah, no. It's a laugh track. Again, like I always thought, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I have the Jeopardy movie uh, music ready just in case uh, some uh, some <laughs> some, some question pops some up. Question pops up. Not uh, to be confused with the Jeopardy theme. Yes. No. What? Thank you, Gabe. Thank you for for all those of you wondering. There are two different musics for Jeopardy. Apparently, they they have a theme that I had never never heard of. Most people probably wouldn't associate. But no, I, I think Three Thousand Miles to Graceland is a good action fun movie that I think I would say you should watch. I didn't it realize like they had the cast. Uh, ridiculous cast. Ridiculous yeah. cast. And then I'm going to throw in two quick films, um, both for separate reasons, right? So Donnie Darko comes out in 2001. Now, I will say this. I've seen Donnie Darko twice. The first time I watched it, I didn't know if I understood it. The second time I watched it, was trying to make sense of it, still felt the same way, if not more lost. It's, I know it's a cult classic. I know people talk about it still. I don't get it. I am one of those people who does not understand this film is this a movie you've seen Gabe no no of it I've heard talk about it and I think you've I'm in the pre-stage of what you've gone through because like I know that there's a you know there's expectations going into it and there's a lot going on I'm just I'm always like do I is this what I want from my entertainment right now do I want to sit down and try to figure something out and, and not know what's going on that's my day-to-day life why would I why would I do that in a movie right now and then I watch some something you know that's easier for me to wrap my head around yeah, I would say I would say skip it. I, I don't think I don't think it's one of those films that, because you know, like some cult classics, there's fun to them. You know, yeah. I feel like this is a cult classic because of of that, like of that, um, because synopsis it, of like it. Yeah. It's it. This is what it is. Like you might not get it. That's the reason to watch it. Time travel or fucking space time continuum or fucking quantum or whatever. Yeah, all of that. Uh, the other movie I wanted to, to to mention quickly was Atlantis: The Lost Empire. This is the animated film. No, okay. The only reason why I bring this film up is visually, it's actually a really good film. Like the the concept to all the art is really good, and it's because it was done by Mike Mike McNola, which is the creator of Hellboy. Mm. So if you ever have a chance, look up at the sketches and the work he did for the art of this film it is beautiful work and then when you watch the movie you really appreciate that this is not a disney film in the sense of like disney animation you know it's a disney film in the sense of the story right and the plot but the look of it 
it does not have that feel. And the more you know about Mike McNoll and the more you know, like if you're a fan of, of Hellboy and things like that, um, you really appreciate this movie for the art of it. Uh, I think Michael J. Fox voiced uh, the main character. And again, but it's one of those it's one of those rare movies where I've actually watched it a couple of times, kind of like Iron Giant style, where I'm like, this is beyond like plot and story. There's they took a lot of care in making that film and it shows. And the art is one of the, the, the things that really stands out to me about it. Uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. It's a it's a fun watch. So it really hmm. is. Yeah, I did not see that one. Popular shows of 2001, Friends, CSI, ER, Law and Order, Everybody Loves Raymond. Shows that ended in 2001. Now, this one I watched a lot. Did you ever watch the Jamie Foxx show? No. So this would have been on from 94 to 2001. And in it, he plays a character, uh, an aspiring actor who moves from Texas to work in the in at his aunt and uncle's uh, hotel in Los Angeles. Um, so he works there as a bellhop, uh, but then he's going to auditions and trying to like you know have his career. Uh, now, this show started two years after In Living Color ended in '94. Jamie Fox was one of the standout characters from the from the In Living Color sketch TV show, right? You had Jamie Fox yeah. and you had and you had um, Jim Carrey, I think. You know, there was a few uh, individuals that did special appearances, but Jamie Foxx really stood out from uh, from In Living Color. Um, so this was his own show that he was able to carry for quite a few years. I remember watching it; and it was very fun. It was very funny. He's an exceptional artist and a and a and a, and a great comedian. So uh, this was a really great time for him to have gotten this show, and I and I and you know, I I did enjoy watching it. So I recommend that one. But you never, this was not on your, mm-hmm. no? All right. Next one. The Lone Gunman. Do you know this show? Sounds familiar. It might sound familiar because this was a, a spinoff of the X-Files. Oh. Within the X-Files, there was a group of conspiracy theorists, three guys, who used to call themselves the Lone Gunmen. And that was a running theme. We're like, wait, how are you lone but gunmen? Wouldn't you be gunman? <laughs> But they were popular enough from the X-Files show that they were able to get a one-season spinoff uh, that didn't actually, unfortunately, get picked up. But it was basically a group of, uh, you know, geeky investigators who ran this conspiracy theory magazine, and they helped the FBI and uh, solve, uh, you know, supernatural cases and stuff. It was interesting. It was interesting that they were able to spin that off from the from the X-Files of all shows. You know? Yeah. But yeah, very short-lived. Um, the last show that we're going to talk about that ended in 2001, have you ever heard of Spaced? I think so. So this is the very first time I ever heard of Simon Pegg and um, Edgar Wright. This was a, a sitcom created and written by uh, and starring Simon Pegg and also, um, what's his name? Uh, Jack, no, not Jack. John Frost, his, his friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the premise of the show wasn't anything anything spectacular. It's just these two people who decide to move in together. And they're in London. And they're just, you know, um, 
their little adventures. It's a very dry, like, you know, uh, it's British. It's a very British dry comedy. Really well done, though. Uh, but this was the first time I ever heard of Simon Pegg and of Edgar Wright. And, you know, they, you know, eventually after this, Shaun of the Dead, you know, Hot Fuzz, you know, uh, was it the, what, what was the last one they did? The, um, the, the third one there, yeah. Something about the end, the where they do the pub crawl. The pub crawl, yeah. I can't remember the name either. Something the end. I didn't see that one. Yeah. This oh. is the end or something like that. No, I think that's the other. That was a different one. Yeah, that was a different one. Yeah, but no, but Nick yeah. Nick Frost, by the way. Nick Frost. There you go. Okay. Yep. Not Jack or John. Nick. <laughs> it's in the it's in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no space. Uh, two seasons, and like we talked about in the past, seasons to British people are six, seven episodes, so it's only fourteen episodes, <laughs> the entire series. Uh, but a great show, though. Uh, very fun. Again, very dry uh, British humor. Shows that started in 2001. Did you ever watch the Bernie Mac show by any chance? I want to say that I incidentally at some point saw a little bit. But, like, I couldn't. I, I don't think it's fair to say that I watched it now. But, but are you familiar with Bernie Mac as a stand-up? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, it was one of these... Again, like a show that was almost made for this person, like his personality, because in the show, he breaks the fourth wall and he talks to the camera quite a bit. And uh, he would address the camera, us, as just America, <laughs> which I always thought it was funny because he was like, this, on brand. Yeah, it was like America, like, you know, he would do that. It was amazing. Um, but it was also like he was playing this character that was very gruff and like, you know, would threaten to to beat a kid until you saw the white of the skin type of thing. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was that, but it was a very emotional show because the show is about him and his, him and his wife taking on his three nieces from his sister dying, I think, Ooh. you know, so it was a very serious tone, but his gruff manner and everything like that made it very funny. And then him talking to the camera was hilarious. I thought it was a really great show on for five seasons. Um, just phenomenal. Uh, very quickly, a show that I've always loved, The Tick, the live action one, the very first one with uh, Patrick Warburton. Again, ridiculous show, but so funny and so good. The latest version that Amazon did is actually very good too. But uh, this one was was just ridiculous that they made it. I'm so glad they made it. I ended up having I ended up buying the DVD box set because it came with the final episode that was never aired because the show was canceled before it could air. <laughs> they got gotcha. you. They got gotcha you with the gimmick. It was such a wonderful show, though. So funny and, and fun. Now, this next show, I remember, changed the way TV, reality TV was seen. Fear Factor comes out in 2001. Oh, man. That show was like nothing we had ever seen before. It really was one of the most original TV shows in a very long time. Yeah. Were you able to watch it or did you catch it later? I think I caught some of it later. Uh, you know, it there's definitely breakthrough because that, that stuff, that was the, at a point where that show was so novel it would make headlines. Yeah, no, it would. You'd see, you'd see breakthrough just in like news, even if you had no interest in what. There'd be something about what was going on with that, what crazy thing they did. 
I remember watching it and it was mainly for the shock value because remember it always had a stunt right where people had to fe- uh, face some fear of a stunt and then there was the thing that we all watched for was what the fuck are these people gonna eat bulls yeah, testicles fucking live beetle cockroaches that was insane to me that people could do that you know like so I, I used to love watching it. But yeah, it was on for six seasons. It had two revivals. Like, they tried to bring it back. But I think at a certain point, it just wasn't the same after reality TV became what it became, you know? No, when you, yeah, when you change the, uh, the, the you know, the, the landscape so much, I think, you know, part of that impact is, is that initial punch. And, and, you know, like you said, I think you've had so many other things since then that it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have the oomph anymore. It doesn't. Um, interestingly enough, this was the first reality TV show that was syndicated. I found that interesting. Mm. Yeah. Wow. The reruns were still on when they revived it. (laughs) Competing with itself for a time slot. Basically. Yeah. But I definitely remember like Fear Factor being quite the show, uh, and, and just still remembering like how cringeworthy it was to see somebody just bite down on the just most disgusting thing but then actually now that we think about it right then you think about bear grills right and that's just what he does for survival that's like eh, it's nothing new like okay yeah it's different when the person is absolutely aghast at what they have to do versus bear grills who seems to enjoy drinking his own urine or the urine of another animal in yeah the, you know yeah just you know, basically liquid from any source that is probably undesirable yeah that makes sense he's pretty enthusiastic moving on to deaths in 2001 gabe does the name hank ketchum sound familiar at all yeah really it does okay american cartoonist okay who created the dennis the menace comic strip I'm sure I read. I I I the I looked forward to the Sunday Funnies, as it, as it, as a, a kid, especially in the stretch where we're talking about here, where I was at a place that had access to the paper regularly, because you know, uh, at that point in my life and prior and since, honestly, I haven't had a whole lot of use for print paper, <laughs> but you put you put you put comics in front of me, I'm gonna read them. You know, and uh, yeah. I agree. I, I, I think I think uh, between the 90s and the early 2000s, I was still a very big fan of like the Sunday comics. Um, you know, I, I to this day, I think one of the greatest uh, comic uh, Sunday comic strips, comics in general is, I mean, obviously, you know, Calvin and Hobbes. It is the greatest. Um, but I give credit where credit's due. Right. Your 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 peanuts, your Garfield's. Your, I mean, even newer ones, right? Like Baby Blues and 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 Dennis the Menace and and Non Sequitur. Like these were phenomenal comic strips that at a time were an insane amount of entertainment for a lot of us. Um, yeah, and you had kind of a couple different ways of of uh, digesting them. It was like you you know did did you only read the Sunday or did you actually get some of those daily editions? You know, so trying to tell any kind of a, some of them that had some sort of through line telling any kind of a story or anything happening. Yeah. Now, here's the funny part. The Dennis the Menace comic strip, I never read, but the Dennis the Menace cartoon that used to be on Channel 9 on KCAL, I used <laughs> to watch all the time. 
Dennis the Menace as a comic strip never made sense because he needed a full storyline. Mm, he yeah. couldn't do three panels. It was I think for me it was difficult to catch him in three panels. But but yeah, so uh, Hank Ketchum, dude, he started his work as an animator with Walt Disney. He worked on Pinocchio, Fantasia, Bambi, and several of the World War II uh, Donald Duck shorts. <laughs> what if Donald Duck was a kid? And what if instead of World War II, he was just harassing people he lived near? Did it. He, I, see, uh, I see what happened. I can see it. He uh, he actually was in war in the in the Navy Reserve during World War II. After the war, is uh, he became a, a freelance cartoonist, and that's when he started the Dennis the Menace uh, comics, were based on his own four year old son named Dennis. <laughs> Apparently, he was like in the nineteen fifties. He was in his studio drawing, and I think his wife came in, and it was like, you know, was like was basically complaining about their four-year-old son, Dennis. He had, like, wrecked the bedroom instead of, you know, napping in it or whatever. And basically, you know, it was like, your son is a menace, you know? <laughs> it was like, Dennis the menace. <laughs> that light bulb came on. Perfect. But, dude, within five months, 16 newspapers were carrying the adventures of Dennis the menace. By 1953, three years after he started this comic strip, 193 newspapers in 52 countries were carrying the comic strip. Wild. He went viral before it was possible to go right? viral. Yeah. Uh, and and he actually did the drawings from 1951 to 1994 before uh, an actual uh, a cartoonist took over. He couldn't continue hmm. after 91. Wild. He lived to be 81. I thought that was really cool. And, and again, really interesting. I'm a fan of, of comic strips. Like, I, I think, again, like, I think, uh, I think, um, you know, Calvin and Hobbes is one of the greatest comic strips ever. You know, if you have the money, I would suggest buying the box set. It is one of the, it just brings me so much joy to read. I, that's the one that I, going to the bookstore, things I kept an eye for. If the anthologies were on sale, I always bought an anthology. Yeah. I've got several of them. Yeah. Um, Anthony Quinn also died in, in, um, in 2001. He should sound familiar to you because he was old timey. He was, a, a Mexican American actor. His birth name, Manuel Antonio Rodolfo Quinn Oaxaca. Mm. Yeah. See what he did. I see what he did, right? Anthony Quinn. <laughs> His notable films, Gabe, and I think I'm going to guess you've seen probably half of these. Uh, La Estrada, The Guns of Navarone, Guns of San Sebastián, Lawrence of Arabia, The Shoes of the Fisherman, The Message, Lion of the Desert, and A Walk in the Clouds, and Zorba the Greek, which he got an Oscar uh, nomination for. Wow. Um, he did end up winning two uh, Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor for uh, Viva Zapata and Lust for Life. And he also got a couple of uh, nominations uh, for Best Leading Actor, some Golden Globes, a BAFTA, um, you know, just an exceptional Latino actor who, who was, uh, you know, uh, noticed for his uh, dramatic work. I can just picture his uh, his awards all up there with Anthony Quinn on them, and he just has to go get the get the paper and put all the rest of the you know tack on on That's both sides. Six names that he had. 
let's wrap it around. That's not funny, Gabe. Some of us have four names, okay? And 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 one of them is hyphen, so really it's five names. Yeah, they sneak an extra one in there. It's bonus name. They do. Uh, very quickly, want to talk about Robert Ludlum, uh, American author, uh, wrote twenty seven thriller novels, best known for the as the creator of the Jason Bourne trilogy. Has had thirteen of his books turned into movies or TV series. You know, that's not bad. It's not bad at Pretty all. Good average. Died at uh, seventy one from a heart attack. And a very quick shout out to. Miss Aliyah, American singer, actress, dancer, and model. She has been credited for helping redefine contemporary R&B and uh, pop and hip hop, earning the nickname as Princess of R&B and the Queen of Urban Pop. She unfortunately died at a very young age. She died at 22 yeah. years old from a from a, a plane accident. Actually, a, a very small plane was taking off in the Bahamas and it was overloaded. The aircraft uh, crashed shortly after takeoff, killing all, all nine people within the plane. So she she could have really made it quite big because her career started like at 15, 16 years old. Um, so to have passed away at 22, I mean, she she had so much potential, you know? Yeah. She also unfortunately has a bit of a un- um, unfortunate run-in with R. Kelly. Yeah, I just learned about that. Yeah, he uh, he was her mentor and producer and got her start when she was 15, 16 years old, but also believed to have also been like his partner and like some sort of marriage at that age that was annulled by the family afterwards. So. He uh he was twenty seven twenty eight when she was like fifteen so unfortunate but um but yeah no I wanted to make sure that she got a shout out within our within the deaths of two thousand and one because she she I like her her music you know was not was not my style but um but I acknowledged that she was on the radio you know and and she was what other people I knew were listening to so it's one of those things where you're like you can't avoid what you know is happening that is changing history because it's so obvious, you know? Like, you can be closed-minded. You can say, oh, I'm not into hip-hop. I'm not into r and I'm not into country. But like we talked about, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Dale Earnhardt Sr., um, when somebody's breaking barriers and doing that well, you can't help but notice. You'd be an idiot not to notice that this individual is doing something extraordinary within their culture or within their genre that needs to be noticed. And I think she was one of those people who I was like, I don't listen to this, but I know who this person is because of what they're, they're doing. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause, uh, the only exposure I'd ever really had to her was from, uh, Romeo must die. Oh, Chet she was Lee an movie. actress. Yes. Yeah. With, and, um, uh, was it, I forget it was in that film actually. DMX. D- yes. Okay. I was like, because I was, I was thinking of somebody like that, but I was like, it wasn't DMX, was it? No. Yeah, it was. Yep. So wait. Yep. Uh, so very curious, Gabe. How did Romeo Must Die enter your? It's a Jet Li movie. 
I watched Enough said. movies. Enough said. <laughs> yep. I went from I went from uh, Gateway was Jackie Chan, and then next thing you know, you're watching you're watching Jet Li movies. Yeah, and then you know, Cho Young Fat, so you were able to see uh, Crouching Tiger. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense. Yep. Yep. It all makes sense. Yeah. So with the time we have left, Gabe, let's uh, let's do a little something old, something new. What's uh, what's been new on your radar recently? I mean, from a from a pop culture standpoint, I uh, the big the big activity recently here was I just went and uh, saw Ghost in in concert. Now I and maybe one or two of our listeners might not be familiar with Ghost. What genre of music is this kid? Okay, hang on. Let me let me properly because like I could say a lot of descriptive words. Or do I need Let's to play see. a song? Uh, that I mean that would be fun. All I right. Think. Well, that's a whole video production, huh? All yeah, right. I didn't. I, I, no, I that's mean, fine. For those of you who can't see, there, it's, yeah, uh, seems to be a, a video for Ghost Dance Macabre. Uh, I feel like it's uh, Rocky Horror Month uh, homage. I haven't seen the music video. I just grabbed it because of the song. Oh. All right, let's see what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I expected it to just do more music, honestly, because I haven't done it. This party. Yeah, I'm getting a Rocky Horror uh, feel from it. I mean, it sounds right to me, honestly, given what I've seen. I do like the typography of his name or their name. Why did I think this would be like EDM or like uh, Electronica? I don't know why you thought that. I have to say, I've never heard this before. A, it's a party and it's definitely got a uh, so now it went from a Rocky Horror feel to a Eyes Wide Shut feel and now because of the performance of these almost cheerleaders and also the, the lighting there's a and again, this is a, a stretch, but there is a feel of a Nevermind Nirvana. But now there's a dance sequence between the lead actor and a main actress that gives me um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, one of the Mission Impossible film sequences of like the main actor and the female actress having a dance you know, moments where they're like espionage. Okay. So, this doesn't give you by any means an entire uh, view, but for the genre, 
here's the descriptor. So their their origin is Sweden. Oh, okay. One of the Avicis, huh? Um, <laughs> genres, hard rock, heavy metal, doom metal, pop rock, progressive rock, psychedelic rock. These are all the tags they had. Thanks, Google, real quick. Okay, wow. Started in 2006. I was way wrong. This is number nine out of their top, but this does have the second most plays on Spotify with a hundred and four million. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now you that this video was uploaded in 2018 and it has 36 million views on YouTube. Yeah, it's uh, it's very theatrical. Yes, you got a clue from very the video. Much so. the, very the much. The live so. show is very theatrical, and I guess that's one of the things they're known they're known for. Um. I am not the expert on this. I was not the person who discovered them uh, or the reason the, to have gone, but I was very entertained and I, I would absolutely see them again. A great show. Um, they do this, uh, this uh, their theme. Like I, I don't know how to describe it right, but like they do like a, uh, it's not a negative connotation, but I'm going to say like satanic, like kind of, it's like a they, they, the main guy comes out in like uh, he does a ton of costume changes, but he comes uh -huh. out in like they do a, a renaissance kind of like Victorian kind of weird, like most of the supporting like the musicians they had on these masks that had like they looked like a diving mask kind of with like breathing apparatus. And then we're in they had like epaulets on their coats Jeez. and stuff kind of Victorian looking. And then the main dude was in something similar, but also changed into some of the garb he's more famous for in his pictures where he's wearing like vestments and a miter. And he's got like skull face paint. Oh, wow. It's very theatrical and uh, very entertaining. What a showman too. Like the dude's all over the stage and working the crowd. It's fantastic. Nice. Okay. Um, I, I think I counted like seven. I'm not sure if I'm getting it right, but seven, like they had like two keyboards, drums, three, like, uh three guitars so a bass and i think two guitars um a guy came out at one point and played a saxophone for a minute um, you know, and by he he came out let me describe they wheeled him out in like a clear case and they made it look like they were like reviving him with paddles and he looked kind of desiccated like he had and then like he came out kind of undead like grabbed the dude that was shocking him and then they thrust a, a sax into his hands and he started playing the sax and he was also investments and they said that was the, the previous because the main guy's like I forget the name, but Papa something like each one is like the Pope and they keep the previous ones <laughs> in storage and they wheel them out when they need them to do stuff. It was, <laughs> it's wild. It was a great show. My description is not doing it justice, but like, you know, and it's funny because the music, like all of those descriptors, they have a few heavier songs that have like, I mean, the music is good. Like they're good at what they do playing the guitar, like to cover his, uh, to his, his wardrobe changes the guitarists would like have like they'd they'd play they'd have like little playoffs against each other where one of them would be like going up and down the frets mm -hmm. and like playing and then they'd look at the other one the other guy's like doing like you know making wild arm gestures and like telling him to like tone it down and then he'll <laughs> he'll go and do one and then be like yeah now what you know so they'd do that back and forth to kill some time while he's in the back changing off into the the next thing and then they lead right into the song like they were, they were fantastic performers. That's awesome, dude. I, I was gonna say, like, I've seen a, I've seen one concert in the last three years because of the pandemic, and it was a Hella Mega tour. And it just so happens Green Day did have a saxophone player come out for like two songs, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, when did saxophonists make a comeback? I know, right? I'm back. And and here's the thing. Look, I have nothing against saxophonists. 
but I feel like there was a time and place for them. And I feel like, like, you know, Baker Street to this day is the greatest saxophone ever. And I don't think anybody should ever try after that. I feel like that that was the great way to end saxophone is playing. I can't remember the name now, but like on on uh, the internet, Epic Sax Guy. Oh, Epic Sax Guy. Yeah, it doesn't count, though. No, no. That had to be Swedish, though, right? That had to be some kind of Scandinavian. Probably. That Sunstroke Project. Probably. So I feel like, so again, these guys being from Sweden, I kind of figured, like, they're just off doing their own thing. Like, they're not playing by anybody else's rules with the saxophone. Like, to them, this must be, like, a brand new instrument that everybody <laughs> needs to hear. Well, they did only get the internet, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of my, that, that, that's the story I created for why why the I, I believe that i'll go i'll go along with that i'll go along with that i mean they're your guys' neighbors now so maybe you Ooh. can just you know yeah you, uh, you know we we it's it's a you know it's Tenuous. it's it's yeah it's a, it's a work in progress relationship between us and them i'll say that yeah. all right i um so we talked about alita i started watching it oh okay I got about an hour in, and I got to tell you, it's not for me. It's, it's, I was expecting, honestly, a more serious tone. It's very campy and fun and funny. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that from it. So, uh, it took me two days to get through that hour because I was watching it while working. Yep. Uh, and I ran out of time. I will finish watching it. Um, you know, but they do something at the very, beginning where they kind of set you up for that motorball and they set you up for a couple things that then come to fruition. Yeah. Um, so, and, and like the montage sequence where they're, where she's learning how to, how to play the game, very campy. And I was like, I wasn't expecting this. And then the fight scene of the bar, I was like, very campy also. I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this, this type of fun, funny threw me off my guard for a little bit. Um, not my style of film that I would get good into, but I was not expecting it. That I was actually expecting a more serious tone, to be honest with you. I think so. For my part, again, like I don't think it's a masterpiece or anything. I was just surprised by how entertained I was by it because, like, I don't. I think I was confused as well going in. Like, I don't know if I expected darker, but I just. I remember having heard not good things, and I just thought, you know what? I like I like the setting in in the description of you know kind of post you know war civilization with future tech kind of like the cyberpunk kind of a vibe going and i'm like okay like and uh i uh i didn't it felt kind of it definitely feels very cartoony yes yes and uh i didn't expect that either because for and i was like okay for a second there the ride. for a second there when i saw the the uh animation i was like oh is this gonna be like tintin but tintin is really good like even though it's a CGI film, that's a phenomenal fucking movie. So I was I, for a second there, I thought, well, they have the same like CGI. So I, are they going to go into more of a serious, in, in, more of a serious uh, tone and theme? But they don't. It stays very fun, campy, and 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 uh, and lighthearted. As soon as he busted out the rocket-powered hammer, I think I knew. I knew yeah, was. yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is like, this is like, a, this is like kind of like comic book shit happening. Yeah, right? a little For bit. Sure, I was like, this is a comic book I'm watching. But okay, e- but even kids' comics, you know, like not even like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, I, like, I will say this. I will finish watching it. But I, I was caught off guard because I was not expecting it to be that campy and, and funny. I, I Campy is a good description. I wouldn't have known what to say. I, I, like I said, I was just – the bar, I think, for me, I had set so low that I was like, oh, this is entertaining. <laughs> and, again, I watched it on a plane. I didn't make I didn't make actual time in my life to watch this. That probably should have been a clue. So the other film I want to talk about that I watched was Prey. I haven't watched it yet. I'm very excited, though. You know, dude, it's really fucking good. I, I've heard nothing but good things about it. It is really, really good for a couple of reasons, right? And without without spoiling anything, I will say this. It's really good because it it does not try to... It doesn't try to connect to a storyline. It tries to connect to canon, you know? So it's basically saying predators exist. They're ahead of our time. They have a purpose, right? They have an objective. We're just putting them in this timeline and letting that timeline go, you know? So I love that where it doesn't matter what you know about predators. It is, yes, you know what a predator is, but we're putting him in a different timeline. And, uh, and we're just going to run from there. So that was phenomenal because they don't try to pander to a Predator fan. You know, they don't try to pander to the Predator franchise at all. Which is what they've been doing for the last... Exactly, you know, right? So that's know. the first thing I'll say. So it was very original in that sense of like, oh shit, they're not trying to like... As I was watching, I was like, they're not trying to get me to like connect to Arnold. And they're not trying to connect me to... Though they're they're just like no like predators have been around for a long time that's 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 it that's the base and you go from there. back your end. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that they did, which was at first I thought was lazy, and then I was like, oh these motherfuckers. So what they did was twice, twice, and I won't say when. Twice they misled me to think that they were going to connect it to some of the other predator movies. <laughs> and then they and so after those two times they did that i was like oh i know what's gonna happen because i've seen the other predator movies and then they were like no that's not it we're just fucking with you and they moved on from that and i was like you sons of bitches you totally fucking led me down the path to think this was gonna be arnold's moment this was gonna be you know uh you know the predator moment and then they were like no nah. We're just fucking with you. We're gonna move on. I love that, dude. I love the fact That's that funny. they, yeah, that they went That's like self-aware with oh, their, their so self-aware, dude. It 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 annoyed me, but also made me fucking laugh and enjoy it even more at the fact that they fucked with me for that one brief. It was three a three minute scene that they didn't even need in the movie, but they threw it in there, and I know they threw it in there because of the fact of how it connects to the other movies. Uh -huh. to throw you off and say yeah no that's that's not what we're doing because it's already been done we've made a choice oh dude it was so good in that way where i was like oh man they, these guys are doing such a great job and now i'm watching it with subtitles right because i'm in europe and i think they purposely didn't translate certain things because they want you to have the first person perspective there's certain things that are said that aren't translated. Mm. And I'm like, is it because I'm supposed to be the person who doesn't understand what this language is? 
or is it because there's something wrong with with the European translation in the subtitles? But I started to believe that. Like, I'm more like, no, I think they want you to be first person, and they want you to understand what they want you to understand what they're saying, and they want they don't want you to understand other times, plain and simple. Hmm. Yeah, dude. It's an artistic it, choice. Yeah, it's a very self-aware movie that is like, no, this is, yeah, no, we have a canon. We, we're following uh, an origin point, but we're not following the or following the the predecessors of this film. We're definitely doing something different. It's it's, I can't recommend this movie any more than it is. Because they also do something, again, phenomenal. Predators come in with advanced technology. But what's advanced technology to 1700s? <laughs> right? So no, you're not going to get the Predator you know from the 80s or 2000s. You can't. It's impossible. But you're still going to get a futuristic technology from an alien life form. It's so well done, man. Um, I, I highly recommend it. It's it was it's such a fun film to watch, and they took it so serious, and they were so accurate. It reminded me a little bit, and I I, I don't know if you have ever seen Apocalypto, the Mel Gibson. I have. It reminded me of that where they took the the background of the character so serious, where you have you're embedded in it. This is the background. There is no whitewashing it. There is no like, you know, making it easier for you to understand. No, that this is what it is. This ha this story is happening during this timeline. Deal with the fact that this is a timeline type of thing. Yeah. It's so well done, dude. I can't say enough good things about it. it it's such a, f a good good movie to watch. It deserves all the accolades it gets if it's even getting any because it's heavy heavy on Native American culture and Comanche culture. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, I mean, they, they leaned into that real hard, which I think uh, is commendable. Oh, no, and it pays off. It really that. does. If you're, yeah. a, if you're a fan of a good film and you're a fan of the Predator franchise, this gives you hope that they could do this again. But again, if they repeat it, then it ruins the effect. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the only other thing I know about the movie, other than that it's been it's great and it gets tons of praise, is that everyone is is calling out for the feudal japan i'm sure you saw oh and that i haven't seen that, that but oh, okay that's been the big thing that's been the, i've seen the articles pop up multiple times where, oh, and they keep showing uh, i forget his name but but that would be the fantastic very serious samurai from the last samurai not the main guy but like the right hand man who doesn't who doesn't like tom cruise's character him they always put his picture and they're like get this guy do in japan but the, you know what the funny thing is though, it, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of kind of like uh, Ninja Batman, right? It, yeah. If you well, do it, if I you watched. Do, that. Yeah, if you do it right, it could work. Shockingly good. It could fucking work if you do it right. I would. They could take my money now, if they didn't just repeat the same thing. Now, here's the thing though, Predator One, dude, with Arnold, is phenomenal standalone film. Predator mm -hmm. Two, they really flipped the script by not having Arnold come back by changing the scenario and saying predators also came to the city and they treated it as its own. Both of those films are really good by themselves. Yeah. And they're just connected by the fact that you have this main character that comes back every predator after that, uh, the latest ones, not so great, 
<laughs> but this was done really well. I, but again, the even if you did Feudal Japan really well, it would then become a thing, right? Where what's uh, what pirates? It's Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Ex- oh, exactly. So yeah, so there's a, there's definitely a, 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 a an area there, but no, but they 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 um they knocked it out of the park, dude. It's 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 a really good fun film to watch if you're a fan of the franchise. This will live up to the promise of what it could have been. Um, if you're just a fan of a good action film, I I it's a it's a good action film. It yeah, and I'm trying to say something definite, but I can't think of it because of the fact that it's just it it's weird how it can be original even though there's five, six films before it. But they yeah. really did something different that the other films have not been able to capture. Um I have appreciated that Aliens vs. Predator. I've appreciated everything else they've done with these films. But the last one, right? Like they did go for the money grab, you know, almost like the last Chucky film. Like, you know, you have something that's working. We're just going to, you know, get that get that last little bit. They didn't do that here. And it's really appreciated. It really is. Um, I, I just it, it was such a good film to watch. I, I highly recommend it. I really do. It's it's a fun film, man. It's so fun. I, I can't. And I watch. I just watched it this week, so maybe that's why it's still so fresh. But, but uh, it was. It was. It was. It was so good. I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, it, it's fun. It really is fun. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, something old, something new. Um, so as all of you know, this is the third episode of 2001. We have officially covered every year we said we would from the very first one. I was looking at our timeline, Gabe, and our first episode launched October 15th, 2021. Yeah. So next episode. Shy of a year. Coming up on it. Coming up on it. Next episode, we're going to talk. We're going to just. Actually, I don't even know. You know what? Hey, next episode, listen to it. We'll tell you what it's about during the episode. Uh, But uh, yeah, again, we're at at, uh, Pop Culture Hangfire on Instagram. Uh, follow, listen, we, I mean, we have been diligent and, and have not missed a week since October 15, 2021. Thank you for that, Gabe. It's, it feels good to accomplish something that no one, that, okay, it feels good to accomplish something like this for my, for ourselves. I'll say that. And for those four, five, six, seven hardcore listeners, thank you, obviously. Um, we'll see you next week and we'll, we'll tell you about what the plans are going forward. We got to think about them. (laughs) Talk to you then.